Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. As you know, I've just come back from traveling overseas, been in uh, seven different countries or six different countries, and uh, we were lost in America. And interesting, America is one of the most industrialized, prosperous nations in the world. And as we traveled through America, watching the news and just encountering people, we realized that for people in America, life is becoming more and more miserable. It's not getting better and better. Quite a surprising thing. And so I did some reading up on it, having looked at how miserable people are. And the latest data from a company called General Social Survey, they're one of the longest running, uh, most highly regarded public opinion uh, projects in America. They research people and they bring back information and it's, it's trusted. And they said this, they said in our surveys just recently, this 2023, only 14% of adults say they are very happy. 14%. In fact, they go on to say this, that their research shows that more than f- there's, there's more than a 50% increase in unhappy people over the last few years. Isn't that incredible? In a country that gives so much and has so much, people are unhappy. And uh, they're less optimistic about the future. They're less happy about their standard of living. And they ask the question, why? And it seems that we have embraced unhappy attitudes in our world. We expect so much more, and when we don't get it, we're unhappy. We used to think it was a South African challenge because of our past, But what we're facing in the world today is people with unhappy attitudes because they're expecting too much and giving little. I want to speak to you this week and next week, and I trust I want to lift your spirit. That's my goal. I want to lift your spirit, and I'm doing a series called Overcoming Unhappy Attitudes. Bump your neighbor and say, this is for you. (laughs) If you're married, you can fight in the car. But seriously, I have noticed that Christians are unhappy. Why? God's given us so much. We have so much. And, and can I say this to you? This country is not as bad as you think. You just have to travel. We live well. We drive expensive cars. We live in amazing houses with swimming pools. You try and say, if you own a house, sell it and see what you can buy overseas. We complain about everything. Why? Because we keep expecting more We have a pervading spirit in our world. You know what it's called? The spirit of entitlement. I deserve more. That's why people are unhappy at work. It's not that they're not getting paid. They think they should earn more. I deserve more. I deserve to work shorter hours. People ought to be nicer to me. And so we travel through life, even including our church, with a sense of entitlement. They shouldn't lock the gates. Don't they know that I'll be late now and again? They shouldn't play the music so loud. And we have all sorts of entitlements. And guess what it does? It makes us unhappy and it steals and robs us of our joy. Can you say amen? And you know what? When it comes to attitude, attitude is our responsibility. We can't say, oh Lord, we feel entitled. Deliver us. He says, no, you make a change. And in fact, every attitude adjustment you make will lift your life. John Maxwell puts it like this. He says, your attitude more than your aptitude will determine your altitude. How's your attitude today? 
I've been checking mine recently and asking God to help me lift yours so that together we can enjoy our country and we can move forward. We need to recognize that it's up to us to change our unhappy attitudes. Norman Vincent Peale, who spoke a lot on positivity and attitude, said this. He said, start each day by affirming peaceful, contented, and happy attitudes, and your days will tend to be pleasant and successful. If you get up in the morning and you decide that you're going to have a good attitude and a happy attitude, chances are your day will be amazing. But if you wake up and you complain and I owe, I owe, so off to work I go, you are not going to be happy. And unhappy attitudes will steal away everything in our lives. In fact, you can have two different people living in the same country. In fact, even in the same suburb, but one's happy, one's unhappy. In fact, John Milton, in writing his famous book, Paradise Lost, he speaks of two people who can experience the same thing with a different outcome. And he says this, he says, the mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell and a hell of heaven. You say, well, look at South Africa. Well, if you think it's so bad, make a heaven of it. And guess where it starts? Now, if only I could move to a better house, a better suburb, if only I had a better car, only if, if only I earned more. No, no, it's up to you to change your attitude because unhappy attitudes, you'll never have enough. <laughs> Neuroscience News is a publication that uh, does studies of people's behavior and psychology and so on, and they use graduates and so on to bring this information. Joshua Grubbs is a PhD in psychology, and he said this. He said, at extreme levels, this is painting the picture why we're unhappy, he says, entitlement is a toxic narcissist trait, exposing people to the risk of feeling frustrated, unhappy, and disappointed with life. I want to focus in on this today and deal with overcoming a spirit of entitlement. I don't want you to think of this politically or to think of this in a South African context like our past and now, you know, we're entitled to better things. No, entitlement is a problem that is, is pervading the world. They say millennials feel entitled because they've grown up in a comfortable world and so they expect very high standards of living. They expect to have no challenges. They expect not to be hurt and all that. But I do believe what's happening in our world is we're being taught how to obsess over ourselves and not over others and God. And as a result, the more we focus on ourselves, the more elusive happiness is. Happiness is something if you chase it, it runs away from you. But if you change your attitude, it comes to you. And we need to overcome a spirit of entitlement. This is not new in Scripture, and uh, I see it all around the world as I travel. It's something that makes people unhappy. Uh, the Bible talks about it in Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. He was a young, young man, uh, had a wealthy father and lived in a lovely home, and by all accounts uh, had a very loving father, but he says this, give me. Give me. He wants his inheritance before his father is dead. What a cheek. <laughs> Think about it. You know, we just read the parable. It's like, you're not dead yet, old man, but I want what you got for me. And off he goes and he wastes it. But wait, the older brother also had an entitlement. Because when his brother came back, he says, you never gave me. So he also expected it and never got it. The other one expected it and got it. But both of them were unhappy, yet the father was a loving father and a good father. And often we serve a good God who is a loving father, but we're mostly unhappy. Why? Because give me, give me, give me. Lord, you never gave me. You gave them. 
And as a result, we have an unhappy attitude. We need to overcome this because it's a damaging thing. In a couple of minutes, I'll we'll read some scripture and then I'll give you eight things that it damages in our lives and then two key ways that we can overcome it, two simple ways. And um, the, the, the things that damages are so important for us to learn today and to uh, pay attention to. But before we get there, I want to speak to you about your expectations because when you have un unnatural expectations of people and of life, you will always be unhappy and it will never be enough. In fact, someone put it like this. Laura, uh, Morris Setters, he, he's the late uh, famous soccer player. He said, too many people miss the silver lining because they're expecting gold. Do you see what you're actually experiencing and enjoying? Or you have got such high expectations that you're miserable. Maybe you, you look at everyone else's marriage partner, but you don't realize God's actually given you a companion. And, and you, need to see the, you need to see the silver lining not just keep looking for gold. Now, God wants to bless us, and he wants our lives to improve, and he wants to give us more than enough, and he wants us to trust him and to have high aspirations. But I think you can have an entitled spirit where you deserve it. It'll make you unhappy. Now, when Jesus was um, preaching, there were many people who gave up everything, gave up their possessions and so on, and, and um, they sold houses and left family and so on. And then Jesus in Matthew 19 says this, he says, no one who's left father or mother, brother or sister, lands, houses, and so on, will not receive the same in this life, you know, brother, sister, lands, and houses, and in the life to come, eternal life. He's saying, don't worry, you've given up all that, but there's going to be a reward. Peter stands up and he says, Lord, they just stuck the Chavuana people, and they did this, and they're getting, what are we entitled to? Now, he doesn't use the word entitled, he says, what will we get? And Jesus tells a parable to them to illustrate that we should never feel entitled, but that we should trust God and rely on his grace. Matthew chapter 20, we pick it up here. In verse 1, he says, for the kingdom of heaven is like. This is how things work in the kingdom. A landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard, he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. So here there's an agreement, there's a contract. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. In other words, like, I'll pay you the daily rate. That's kind of what's implied. They had no contract, but he kind of gave them his word. So they went. Now, when we read this here, you'll see again, he went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. Now, why did he go right through the day? Why didn't he just employ everybody in the morning? Well, what we learned from that agricultural society is they would employ just enough people to reap the harvest. But then as the day went along, they discovered, hey, we don't have enough people. So let's go get more people. And if you left the, the, the grapes on the vine, they would rot, and then you would lose profits, and you wouldn't be able to make wine with it. And so they'd go out, and they'd get more people and more people, and by the end of the day, they would have reaped the whole of us. Are you with me? So that's why he did it. It wasn't just a silly illustration. It was a practical thing with, uh, with that agrarian culture. And so we read on here. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? He said, because no, no one hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. You'd normally call the first people, but now he calls the last ones. 
The workers who were hired, about five in the afternoon, came and each received a denarius, a day's pay. So when those uh, came who were hired first, they expected. Isn't that an interesting word? They expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Did you not agree? In other words, did you not have a contract to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Now, here's an interesting phrase that we need to pay attention to. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be lost. What God is really saying, or Jesus is saying here to Peter, is God will determine the rewards. Don't ever feel entitled. It's up to God's generosity what he does with each one of us. But if we, someone wanted to clap, you triggered the whole church this morning. Do you realize how powerful you are? You just put your hands together and they just follow. Seriously, we are so focused, and sometimes we need to be focused on rights that we forget about responsibilities. And when you focus on rights, all you do is you obsess about what you're entitled to. And God says, no, don't obsess with that. You need to be obsessed with faith. You need to trust God and never be entitled because when you're entitled, you, you never feel you're getting your due. But when you remove entitlement, everything you get, you're grateful for. Isn't that true? Over the years, we've been in ministry for 40 years. When we first went into the ministry, we sold everything, put our money into the church, and they paid us. And they paid us very, very little, but it's grateful. We were grateful for a salary. So we didn't moan. We didn't complain. We were used to living at a high level, eating in restaurants all the time. We ran our own business. We had two new cars every two years. We, we, we lived very well. But we never, oh, you know, this church doesn't look after us. Have you seen some of the cars in the parking area? These people are spotted the so-and-so from our church. They were eating there again at that restaurant. We never said that. We went home and we made powdered milk. And my kids complained bitterly. All the powder on their top lips. We'd, we diluted the orange juice. We took liquid fruit. And when the boys weren't looking, poured water in it, shook it up. This tastes weird, Dad. No, it's, it's pure. Look here, it's pure. We, we never felt entitled. Why? Because we never expected anything. We were grateful that God would use us. And we appreciated what they paid us. And it's very easy to lose that. I've heard pastors complain to their people. You don't tithe and give offerings. How do you expect me to live? You know, I should live like you. And we've never done that. And, and you know what? You're happier. I'm not trying to paint us as saints. You're happier when there's no entitlement. Then anything you get, you're like, wow. Wow, we live here. Wow, we drive that. Wow, we, had, we, 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 we were uh, sent to a conference. Wow, wow. Whereas if you had entitlement, it's never enough. Am I making sense? Now, even when you're entitled to things, you shouldn't cling to them. You should rather, you should rather have a, a godly spirit. Let me give you definitions here, and I'll, I'll, I'll paint that in a moment. Definitions about entitlement, because it really leads to a lot of unhappiness. I want to ask you, are you, are you happy with your salary? I find very few people are. Why? You should be happy with it. Ah, 
Now you are entitled to more. Forgive me, fam. See, this is, this is not something that's a South African. This is a world trend. You are important. You have rights. You should focus on them. You are number one. You deserve it. The Revlon ads, is it? Or the SD Lauder, whichever it is. Uh, we've got to be careful that we don't focus on it because it, it doesn't produce good fruit. Now, you have three definitions of uh, entitlement. A right to something. A right to something. And we need rights. Absolutely. God forbid we don't have rights. But let me, let me paint a picture like this. You, you have a right to something. How many of you have a right to sick days? Hmm? Uh, let me put it like, how many of you are entitled to so many sick days a year? Do you use them when you're not sick? You say, but they're my right, they're my sick days. I must use them up. Okay, what I'm going to do from now on as a pastor of this church is when I'm not sick, I'm going to take Sunday off because I must use up my sick days. You wouldn't like it, eh? It's funny when you paint it like that. It's like, we're so entitled that we don't realize it, but here's the thing. Entitlement doesn't make you happy. Second thing is deserving of special treatment. You might not realize it, but many of us think we deserve special treatment. I got to church and they locked the gates. How dare they? Do you know how long I've been coming to rivers? Don't they understand that at times I run late? Just let me remind you how ordered this meeting is today. Now we forget to appreciate but we feel entitled. Then guess what happens? You're unhappy. I found the church, and I wanted to speak to Pastor Andre, but he was away. See, because you remember, you feel entitled. Rather than, oh, he's busy, or, gee, someone paid attention to me. It, it, it works out in all sorts of ways. And, and, and we, we, we can get ourselves into a place where we're really unhappy. Jesus spoke about the Pharisees and how they wanted the best seats in the synagogue, and how they felt entitled, and uh, it can lead to a lot of problems. But then... Exempt from responsibilities is probably the biggest one. Do you know that they say in the world today, lots of children have grown up and then gone back home. So you've got adult children living at home, and they are exempt from, they don't clean up, they don't wash the dishes, they don't pay their parents anything. If you're a young adult in this church, start paying. And all the parents said? Amen. Listen to that amen. I haven't had a big amen like that for years. See, you can feel exempt. You can be a husband who feels exempt from responsibility. My wife does that. It's a woman's job. No, she's working all day. No, it's not a woman's job. You need to carry the load. We wash the dishes together because Pastor Wilma works and I work. I don't tell her it's a woman's job. In fact, when she washes dishes, I, I, I say to her, thanks, babe. It's, it's, you see, entitlement will always make you unhappy because you feel you're not getting enough. And you keep expecting from other people. And it, and it can damage us. Even when we have entitlements, we should sometimes forego them. See, Nehemiah was a governor. Watch this. He was a governor, but he was such a godly man. In Nehemiah chapter 5, it says, During all the 12 years that I was governor of the land of Judah, from the 20th year that Artaxerxes was emperor, until the 32nd year, neither my relatives nor I ate the food I was entitled to as a governor. Every governor who had been in office before me had been a burden to the people. But I knew what heavy burdens the people had to bear, so I did not claim the allowance that the governor is entitled to. What a good spirit. He saw the people, rather than take from them and feel entitled, he said, hey, I'm, I'm supposed to get this, but I won't get this because I care. 
Imagine if people in our country had the spirit. Now, let's just move on. <laughs> See, most of us are miserable because we feel we're not getting what we deserve and what we're entitled to. I want to give you eight things that a spirit of entitlement damages in our lives. Number one, it damages our joy. You will never have joy in your life. You'll always have a spirit of complaint and a spirit of negativity. And you'll never enjoy anything because nothing will be enough. You'll keep saying, literally, unspoken, I deserve more. More goods, more love, more money, more opportunities, more care from my church, and on and on it goes, and there will be no joy. In fact, Neuroscience News says that people who have a high sense of entitlement live with high levels of distress. Not just unhappiness, distress. And the Apostle Paul was never entitled. He, he, never, he, he, he lived with the joy of the Lord. And uh, the reason was, he, he says, I've learned to be content. Remember in Philippians chapter 4? I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know it is what it is to have plenty. He's joy. That's why the book of Philippians is the book of joy. Paul's in a prison, but why is he filled with joy? He's content because he's, he's not entitled to be free. He says, whatever God wants, I'll do that. Number two, we see the dark side of everything when we're entitled. We cannot celebrate anything. Someone else at work gets promoted. Why wasn't it me? We see sinister motives. We make comparisons. And when you make comparisons, you'll always have a heaviness on your life. You come to church, you don't appreciate rivers. All you feel is they should do this and they should do that. And why haven't they done that? And you voice that. And guess what? You're unhappy. You're miserable instead of being filled with the joy of the Lord. And you detect sinister motives. Can I encourage you not to make judgments too quickly? In fact, I might preach on this sometime. We are encouraged in our world to judge everything and give our opinion. They talk nonsense on the radio and on TV. Uh, here's our address. Tell us what you think. No, we don't want to hear. That's what I feel when I listen. I'm like, I don't want to hear your opinion. I don't want every Tom, Dick, and Harry phoning in and blurgling. I want the experts to talk, and then I want to move on. But we're encouraged to judge and a church, don't do that. Think ahead and first be grateful before you feel entitled. I'm a member here, I'll let them know. You'll go away miserable, we'll take it to the Lord and retain our joy. <laughs> See, in Matthew chapter 20, they saw sinister motives. How can you do this? And God says, I'm just being generous. I'm just being generous. And you'll start to look at your neighbor and compare and you'll be unhappy. Uh, I love this saying, I'm too busy working on my own grass to see if yours is greener. <laughs> I'm trusting God with my faith and I'm looking to Him, so I'm not going to keep looking at what's happening with you and judging you and being unhappy and why did God do that and they hardly come to church and check their new car. Don't go there. Just keep looking to the Lord. Number three, it makes us proud. You know, we don't always recognize this, but some kind, some kind of a pride arises in us. Others must serve me. I don't serve them. They owe me. Some people, you might have a relative, they feel they're not average. Other people have to do things, but they don't. That's entitled. It's like they believe they're above other people. And when they go to work in the morning, they almost give off like, you're lucky to have me. Hmm? It's true. You should do more for me. 
And if I get another opportunity, I'm gone. They give that off. It's entitlement. They're never happy, never happy with anything. And, uh, yeah, people who feel entitled in their church or feel they ought to park in special places. When they drive in and the car park guy says, here, they're like, don't you know I am? Check this car. Do you know how much this car costs? Do you know, do you know, do you know, did you know I'm a CEO? Maybe you should put CEO on your car. No, they just tell you, this way, this way, wait, come, no, don't move, stop. And then entitlement rises up in you. Rivers Church, full of rules. No, we're not full of rules. We just run well and you are entitled. Moving right along. You see, these are human nature challenges that God is calling us to overcome. Hmm? Someone once said this, entitlement is a specialized form of arrogance. Gosh. Number four, it damages our relationships. When you have a spirit of entitlement, it'll damage all your relationships because a spirit of entitlement expects more than it gives. How many know in a marriage that can't work? Hmm? If a husband feels that he's entitled to every now and again spread his seed somewhere else, but his wife must be faithful. I mean, you know, it's illogical, but men sometimes feel like that. I'm a man, you know. No, no, no. If you, have a, if you have any kind of entitlement in a friendship or a marriage, it will not work. It has to be two-way. You give and take. Isn't that true? And our relationships can be damaged. And uh, even Jesus faced this with the disciples. In Mark's gospel, chapter 10, James and John come to him and they say, Lord, would you do for us what we request? He said, what do you want? They said, can one of us sit on your left and the other on the right? They felt entitled. You know, when you get to heaven, gosh, we're up there with the best. Can we secure that now? And the Bible makes a funny statement. It says, when the others heard, they were indignant. Why were they indignant? Well, they got in first. Because we're also entitled and when you have that kind of spirit operating, relationships are damaged and people are not happy and it creates a kind of a hierarchy. Number five, it damages our work ethic. Whenever people feel entitled, they will do less work. They will give less because they feel that they, they're not getting what they deserve. I was uh, lying on a bed one morning as you do when you go for these uh, scopes and things. And I was at a particular clinic. And, uh, you know, that, that time of the morning, it's usually like no one's around. Your family's abandoned you. And there you are in this, in this coat that is cut open at the back. And, and I desperately try and keep it closed because invariably when someone sees me, hello, Pastor Andre, and I'm up against the wall. <laughs> anyway, I'm lying on this bed. And I'm getting wheeled into the theater at one of these clinics because they do scopes. And as you get older, they look inside you to see if everything's okay. I prefer the Holy Spirit to do that, but nonetheless, <laughs> my medical aid covers it. So I'm lying there, and this nurse is standing there waiting for the lift, you know, take you down into the bowels of the earth where they do this stuff. And I looked at her, I said, you know, just making conversation, what made you become a nurse? She didn't hesitate for a moment. You know what she said to me? The money. <laughs> I... I didn't need an anesthetic. I nearly passed out. <laughs> now, it shocked me. Like, where's Florence Nightingale in all this? Isn't the care and love for people? You see, if you're going to nurse and money's the issue, guess what? When you're not paid what you think you deserve, 
you'll abandon your patients, you'll go on strike, or you'll leave the nursing profession. That's why we have so little care, and that's why our hospitals, because the motive is also important. Now, obviously, everyone's entitled to a fair wage, and I'm not going into that whole thing. That's not what I'm speaking about. But when you have an entitlement, you'll always give less, and your work ethic will suffer. You know, the Bible tells us that the tribe of Joseph felt that they were entitled to more than what they got. When the land was allotted by Joshua, they felt they were entitled to more. And I'm going to take the time to read it this morning. You can look it up in the book of Joshua chapter 17. But they went to, to Joshua and they complained, why have you only given us this? And Joshua said, okay, if you think you deserve more, I'm going to give you some more, but there are going to be Canaanites there, and there are going to be challenges there, and you're going to have to work your way through them because you get nothing for nothing. And sometimes when we go to work with an entitlement, we will give minimum. I mean, imagine, would you like to come to church and find the Pastor Andre and Vilma sitting upstairs having breakfast and we don't come down and sing with you? Because, you know, we're getting old now. So when the last song finishes, then we come down. And as soon as we've preached, we've gone home because we don't want to greet people. No, that, your work ethic gets affected when you feel entitled. But when you're not entitled, you, you, you're able to give. I don't want to encourage you to be happy in the workplace and to give your best and to trust God. Number six, it damages our country. Have you noticed that no one's willing to make sacrifices anymore? Why? And no one obeys the law anymore. Why? Because I'm entitled to park here. I'm busy. I need to shop here. I'm dropping, so I'm picking up my sister. It says no parking. But I'm just picking. <laughs> what about taxis? A taxi feels because it carries people, it's entitled to do exactly what it likes. I mean, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't build the country. If you just do what you like, People stop at a robot. We all stop at a red robot. Guess what? Someone drives through. I notice everyone else goes with. Well, if he does it, then I'm in. As a Christian, you need to stand there like a scarf because God looks down from heaven and he says, I'm well pleased with you. <laughs> damages our country. Number seven, and this is happening in our world, it damages social cohesion. People don't listen, they don't obey the law. Eventually everything disintegrates because I have a right and I will speak my mind and I'll do what I like. I just recently looked at the Paris riots. 3,000 fires were lit. Before that with the, the, the yellow jackets, they complained about the pension fund. Then a boy got shot, at, I think a teenage boy got shot by the police. And so the people went on the rampage. Why? Because they felt entitled to instant justice and to express their frustration. As a result, the whole of the city is on fire. I mean, you know, you can't do that. If we behave like that, we're behaving without any restraint, but it's because we feel entitled, and we will show you, and I think it damages our society. Wayne Dyer made a movie, and it's called The Shift, and in the movie, he says this. He says the ego's habitual thought pattern is to say we're entitled. The fact is we're entitled to nothing. The entitlement mindset appears uncaring, conceited, and only concerned with self. Now, speaking, we talk about Social cohesion. President John F. Kennedy's famous call to ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country, is a stirring reminder to collectively shift away from a sense of entitlement and in the direction of humility. How I many of you can say amen this morning? If we want to build our country 
and we want to keep our nation together and have harmony amongst people. Let's not have an entitled spirit, but let's work with law and order and have in our hearts kingdom principles and not need the police to tell us what to do. Can you say amen? I, I was saying to the first service that we live in, uh, in a gated community and when we drive out, there's a short driveway to a traffic light. Now, not a lot of people come in and out of our state and uh, so often you have to wait. But you know what people do? They drive out behind me and they drive around me. It's almost like you scarp. What are you doing here? But I just wait for that one minute. And then the light goes green. It's just a minute. And then I drive off and I know I've got the approval of God. And men can laugh at you, but when you have God's approval, you attract his favor. Number eight. Number eight is the time ticketh. It removes any gratitude. This is the biggest thing it damages. When you are entitled, you never feel grateful for anything. And gratitude is the language and attitude of the kingdom. Bible says in the last days, isn't this interesting? In 2 Timothy 3, one of the attitudes that people will have in the last days is they will be ungrateful. And you can only become ungrateful when you feel entitled. When you don't feel entitled, you're always grateful. Hmm? Think of it like this, if it's your birthday and you feel entitled to big presents, when you don't get them, you'll be like, I only gave me this, socks, chocolate, say, they're not coming to my next birthday. When you haven't got an entitlement, someone brings you something, thank you, oh, you guys went and bought, you thought of me. You know, this morning, Kogi missed my birthday because she was away and I was away. She comes with a packet this morning. I wasn't like, so you bring it now. <laughs> I was like, wow, your family went and bought a present, thought about it, and then gave it to me. See, when, you, when you're not entitled, there's gra gratitude. But when you're entitled, nothing's good enough. And it damages our joy, damages our lives, removes our gratitude. And you remember when Israel... Uh, the Israelites in the wilderness, when they were traveling through the wilderness, God was giving them daily manna for free. But what did they do? They complained that they didn't have meat and leeks. And the Bible says God destroyed them in the wilderness because he wants us to be grateful and not entitled. So here are two things quickly that we can replace, so we can change our attitude. Number one is replace entitlement with gratitude in your life. Be grateful to everybody and everything. Be grateful for your country. Be grateful for your salary. Be grateful for your spouse. You say you don't live with them. Be grateful for them. Some people don't have one. You got a bad one, they don't have any. Seriously, let's look for things to be grateful for. Let's come to church with a spirit of gratitude. Grateful for this building. It's, it's a challenge to get in and out, but I'm grateful that we can all meet. Grateful for the big screens. Grateful for sound leadership. Good reputation. Leaders who care. On and on it goes. Good volunteers. Philippians 2, Paul says this to us, and he's speaking from a prison. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. So we're not like other people. We stand out. We're grateful. We don't complain. James says this, and this is a challenge to us. He says, words of thanksgiving and cursing pour out from the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, this should not happen. No spring of water pours out sweet water and bitter water from the same opening. You see, I've discovered this. I have noticed that Christians, 
it's more and more happening. Christians are swearing. And at times, oh, it's because of the world and the movies we watch. You know, every second sentence is peppered with F. Do they not have a vocabulary? Does a script write? But you know why? There's anger. And when you're angry because you're entitled, your tendency is to swear. You having a swearing problem? You don't need deliverance. You just need to be more grateful. Because when you're grateful, you don't swear. You don't say, this is a car. No, it's when you're ungrateful that you swear. When you're grateful, you praise. So Christians shouldn't swear, not only because the Bible tells us not to use foul language in the book of Ephesians, but because it's a natural result that when you're grateful, swear words won't come out of your mouth. You say, but I hit my finger with a hammer. You can say drat. Come on. Often, often it's because of a lack of gratitude that we don't, you know, do this. And Paul writing again in Philippians says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, gratitude, present your request to God. And the result, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer and praise should cause us to overcome entitlement and to put God first and to see him at work in our lives. Paul again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. In other words, no matter what you're going through, give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I believe we need to come to church and we need to sing. Don't come into the meeting and say, I don't like this song. It's not about you. Apparently God likes it. So it's up to you to get into the hang of it. Because if he likes it, we should be thanksgiving. Do you notice how many songs we sang about thanks today? It's important. It changed your whole perspective. You have a difficult life. It's negative. Now you come in with thanksgiving. God's peace comes. God is delighted. There's joy. He rewards us. We need to be people who give thanks and are grateful in every circumstance. You know, after Nehemiah had built the walls, he appointed two choirs. And I want you to notice here, he appointed them to give thanks. Nehemiah chapter 12. And it says this, it says, one of the choirs was to proceed on top of the wall to the right, watch this, towards the dung gate. Why towards the dung gate and to give thanks? It's to go in the direction where things stink and still to give God thanks. What stinks in your life right now? You need to go in that direction, trust God to remove it, but constantly give thanks. Well, this car stinks, and my job stinks, and my son-in-law stinks. And, and You need to just keep giving thanks and watch God remove the stink and make a difference. Lift your spirit. Don't be unhappy. You know, we're so, we're so ungrateful in our lives. Even when things go wrong, you've got to remember everything you have in your life is a gift from God. God gives us everything we have. And if he should choose for it to be removed, we've got to be grateful anyway. You know, Job said that. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, if someone dies in your family, what are you going to do? Are you going to walk around feeling, well, their child didn't die and mine died. No, we just say, Lord, my life is in your hands. I trust you. 
There's a story about Bruria. She's a Jewish woman in the second century. She was married to Rabbi Meyer. And a lot of stories are told about it because she was very wise. And one day she, she noticed that her two teenage boys, you think some, some kind of plague hit them and they both died. And it was just before the Sabbath. And you can't bury children on the Sabbath. Neither are you allowed to mourn. So what she did is she covered them with a sheet in another room. And she allowed her husband to rejoice and to enjoy the Sabbath. Uh, very important as they celebrate Shabbat. And then after the Sabbath, she went to him. She said, husband, if someone lent us two jewels and then came, knocked on our door and asked for the jewels back, what should we do? He said, wife, you should hand them back. She said, well, God has taken our two jewels. He has loaned them to us and he has asked for, for them back again. We have to have a view of life that is not just selfish and temporal, where we feel entitled, but no matter what we get from God, we should be grateful. Build gratitude in your life. Number two, as I wrap up here today, replace entitlement with humility. Jesus was entitled to be honored, but the Bible tells us in Philippians that though he was equal to God, he, he didn't count it something to be grasped, but he laid it down, became humble. And it's good for us to humble ourselves. In fact, Jesus taught us that. Choose humility over entitlement. When you walk into a room, do you expect to be seated in the front? And if you're not, then you're miserable the whole night. Your colleagues ask, what's wrong with him? <laughs> Don't worry about him. Entitlement. If you go to a meeting, choose a back seat. Jesus said, Don't choose the front seat. They're going to come and move you because the mayor pitched up. <laughs> now you go sit at the back, then Jesus says in front of everyone, say, Pastor Honor and Vilma, are you here? Come. He says, you'll be honored in front of everybody. We often go to conferences, and it's, it's an important principle to operate in. We go to conferences, and we just come from one. In fact, the churches that attend those conferences, some of them are small, 100 people, 500 people. We don't, we don't arrive there like... No, you just arrive, your friends... You trust God for seats. See, if you don't get seats, no problem. I came to the conference. If you get seats, thank you very much. Entitlement will make you unhappy in any situation, even as a Christian leader. But when you humble yourself, everything you get elevates your life, and you're grateful to God. I want to close with this, and we're going to take a moment to sing, so I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. But Charles Swindoll, in his poem called Attitude, said this. He said, Attitude to me is more important than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me, 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. You see, if you're in charge of your attitude, then you're in charge of your happiness. Because happiness is not, happiness is not something that you have to chase after. In fact, if you run after happiness, it runs away from you. Happiness comes to you the minute you change your attitude. And you say, I'm not going to be like this, I'm going to be like that. 
I'm not going to be entitled and always expect other people and God to do everything I want at the drop of the hat. I'm going to be grateful for everything God gives me. I'm going to be grateful for my family. I'm going to be grateful for my country. I'm going to be grateful for my church. And I'm going to give thanks. And guess what? As you do that, happiness comes into your life. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.